The Bible Study Podcast, episode 234. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of 1 Samuel with chapter 25. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. As you may recall, in this part of 1 Samuel, David is still on the run for his life, although Saul at this point doesn't seem to be chasing him because David has shown Saul, at least for the time being, that he is no threat. But David is still out with his band of merry men, and 1 Samuel 25 continues like this. Now Samuel died, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him at his home in Ramah. Then David moved down into the desert of Paran. A certain man in Maon, who had property there at Carmel, was very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, but her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. He was a Calabite. While David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent ten young men and said to them, Go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, Long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them, and the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants, and they will tell you. Therefore be favorable towards my men, since we come at festival time. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. Then they waited. So David is out in the wilderness with hundreds of men, and they have been out in the area where the sheep have been kept. And because they have been in the area where Nabal's sheep has been kept, Nabal has profited from this. His sheep and his shepherds have been protected by these armed men who were camping out in this area. And so David says, oh, okay, now it's time to get back some of the goodwill that we have sowed by how we have treated this man's servant. So we'll go and we'll ask him to return the favor that we have done because we have been good to him and so he'll be good to us. Nabal answered David's servants, Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to men coming from who knows where? David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they repeated every word. David said to his men, Each of you strap on your sword. So they did, and David strapped on his as well. About 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed with the supplies. So David now has 600 men, and 400 of them are going towards Nabal and his shearers and his family, and they mean business at this point. David is ticked off. And I don't know if Nabal is really that clueless, if he is the only person in the land who has not heard of David, but it seems unlikely that if everybody has been singing David's praise and if everybody has been talking about what's going on between Saul and David by this point, that Nabal, who clearly is connected, he is a wealthy man, he's not a hermit living in the mountains someplace, but he claims to have no knowledge of who this David is, or he doesn't think David is important enough to honor this request. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greeting, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us, and the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day they were a wall around us the whole time we were herding our sheep near them. 
Now think it over and see what you can do, because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. And so the servant goes not to the master to try and talk him out of it, this wicked and difficult man, but instead goes to his wife, who's been described as intelligent and beautiful, Abigail, and says, we are in trouble. The master has just insulted David. Remember David? David who has slain the Philistines in his tens of thousands. David who has killed the giant Goliath. David is now probably coming here armed, which he is, because David was good to us and we are repaying his kindness with insults. And so the servant can see that David's right. David really did do what he claimed to do. They were a wall around them. They protected these shepherds. And the servant recognizes this. And so he goes to the intelligent one, to Abigail, and says, basically, we're in a load of hurt if you don't do something about this. If you can't talk your husband into doing something about this or whatever, we're going to be in a great deal of trouble. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five siahs of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raised and 200 cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, go ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. As she came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending toward her, and she met them. David had just said, It's been useless, all my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness, so that nothing of his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool, and folly goes with him. As for me, your servant, I did not see the men my lord sent. And now, my lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my lord be like Nabal. And let this gift which your servant has brought to my lord be given to the men who follow you. So Abigail at this point has interceded for her household, has interceded for her foolish husband and for everyone else who was put at risk by his foolishness and has set herself between David, who is coming as an avenging angel, and her husband and household. And she says, isn't it great that God has kept you from bloodshed? Take this gift, basically, and let's forget about the foolishness of my husband. David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, Go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. The interesting thing is David is a man of violence. David is a warrior, and yet he doesn't always see the need for violence. He is willing in this case, even though Nabal has still insulted him, even though Nabal is still a fool, 
He is willing to let his foolishness go, to let his insult go for the sake of Abigail here, who has done the right thing and who has appeased him. And it strikes me as somewhat different from the anger that we see from Saul, who is less let's say, less controlled. So David does get angry, but David has more self-control. David can see the wisdom in not being violent. And so in this case, he takes the opportunity to have a peaceful resolution of this problem. He's still been insulted just as much. In fact, Nabal doesn't even know that his wife is out here. And Abigail doesn't even claim to come in his name. He's a foolish man and asks that David take it as a blessing from God that he doesn't have to put Nabal's blood on his own hands. It continues, When Abigail went to Nabal, he was in the house holding a banquet like that of a king. He was in high spirits and very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until daybreak. Then in the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him all these things, and his heart failed him, and he became like a stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praise be to the Lord, who has upheld my case against Nabal for treating me with contempt. He has kept his servant from doing wrong and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. David then sent word to Abigail, asking her to become his wife. His servants went to Carmel and said to Abigail, David has sent us to you to take you to become his wife. She bowed down with her face to the ground and said, I am your servant, and I am ready to serve you and wash the feet of my Lord's servants. Abigail quickly got on a donkey and, attended by her five female servants, went with David's messengers and became his wife. David had also married Anahom of Jezreel, and they were both his wives. But Saul had given his daughter Michael, David's wife, to Patiel, son of Laish, who was from Galim. And so we see at this point that David has not taken revenge against Nabal, but the writer of this account says that the Lord did. That basically, because of Nabal's foolishness, because of his contempt, because of the way he acted, he was given what sounds like a heart attack and died 10 days later. And so David takes Abigail, and you can see why he would be interested in doing so. And let's set aside for just a moment the fact that he's already got a wife. You could understand why Abigail would be someone would be, A, attractive, she's intelligent and beautiful, and also beneficial to someone who is going to become a king who's going to need wisdom because she is wise. And more so than her beauty, her wisdom is going to be a benefit to this person who is called to lead the people of Israel sometime in the future, the date of which David has no idea yet. And so he takes Abigail to be his wife. Now let's briefly address the fact that David already had a wife or two. And I say or two because apparently as he left, as he fled, Saul gave his wife Michael, who was faithful to him, who helped rescue him to someone else. Now, one of the things we need to understand is, in general, the Bible in the Old Testament, polygamy was practiced commonly. In the New Testament, less so, although it was practiced. And in the first letter to Timothy, Timothy is told, in terms of elders, find someone who is the husband of one wife. And so certainly we would recommend, as far as the number of husbands and wives, one is a probably more manageable number. But at this time especially, because of the position of women... Widows and orphans without a man to protect them were at risk and vulnerable. So it was the law, for instance, that if your brother were to die, you should take his wife into your household, make her one of your wives to protect her. 
as Abigail has been made a widow, this is not something that would be uncommon, not just that David would want her, but also that she would need a husband. I'm not saying that that is still the case today, but it's something we need to understand as we look at accounts like this, especially from the Old Testamental period. But polygamy aside, you could see the benefits here of a spouse who is wise. And with that, we will end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com or drop me an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Christuex. And as always, thanks so much for listening. God's Word will change our life, but sometimes it's hard to know where to start. Well, that's where I come in. I'm Jody Nisnik, host of So Much More, Creating Space for God, a scripture meditation podcast. And each week, I guide you through a scripture, giving you space to listen to the Spirit and pray about what's on your heart. Then we have a thoughtful conversation with guests to help us go deeper. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.